Let's open up our Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. I've got quite a few scriptures to go through. Matthew chapter 4. Um, this was, oh yeah, but, um, for those that don't know, um, a bloke called Pastor Chaz Hilder and his wife Eunice came on uh, Wednesday night, which was wonderful, absolutely wonderful to see them both, um, because uh, Chaz um, officiated in our wedding. He was the uh, celebrant at our wedding, so it was just wonderful to see them both. And, uh, yeah, we didn't end up leaving here until 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> just talk, 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 talk. And, um, yeah, so that he, um, he's from the Flurio Peninsula, which is where my parents grew up, and so there's this whole generational contact thing as well, the old stomping grounds of my parents and things. And so, yeah, it's just wonderful to see them, to be part of the meeting. And Pastor Chaz gave the talk, and he gave a bit about Peter. So this morning when I was uh, pottering about, I thought, well, yeah, it's a good subject, Peter, Peter the Apostle. So um, turns out the windows of heaven were opened up and there's plenty of scriptures uh, to go through with Peter. So uh, let's start here in Matthew chapter 4 and uh, verse 18. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 18. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. Now, it refers to elsewhere that Andrew was actually a disciple of John the Baptist. Okay? And Andrew, as a disciple of John the Baptist, was standing next to John when John said, there is the Lamb of God. And uh, Andrew then went back to Peter. So it's quite an interesting link there. And at this point... Simon Peter uh, and Andrew were fishing. They were casting their net in the sea. And he, being Jesus Christ, saith unto them, Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. So it's an amazing uh, commitment that uh, they, they were part of their profession. They probably grew up doing that, fishing. Uh, That's what they knew. They knew all about it. And then there comes this bloke um, called Jesus Christ and says, Look, come and follow me now. Okay, stop doing what you're doing. I want you to follow me and be my disciple. So that's the start of the story of Peter, um, of following Jesus Christ. Over to uh, Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. And of course, the story of Peter is important uh, and we can get a lot of encouragement from uh, aspects of Peter's life and what he did. And so that's how we read the Bible. We read, oh, that's what Peter did. You know, we talk about follow, follow, and he just followed Jesus just like that uh, with his brother Andrew. And, uh, and as we read more and more aspects of it, we can learn from his mistakes and also what he did well. Uh, Matthew chapter 14 and verse 25 says here, And the fourth watch of the night, which is 10 o'clock at night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. 
and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. When they were that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Pretty good evidence of the Son of God walking on water. So here's this fisherman. He knew what, how water worked because um, he spent a lot of time around it. And here he was. Peter himself had this amazing opportunity of walking on water with Jesus. But what this says here, I mean, it's, Jesus accuses Peter of having little faith. But what it, for, for Peter to even ask, look, if, it, if it's you, you know, can I come and walk on water? That shows an amazing faith. You know, and uh, an amazing focus on Jesus. It's like, I want to follow Jesus wherever you go. It's phenomenal. Um, and he said, and then Jesus told him to come and he actually walked on water himself. But then as it says, you know, he looked around, he took his eyes off Jesus. He looked around the troubles that he sees, the raging waters. And we have that in our life. We get distracted by raging waters around us and we start to sink. And the, the beautiful thing is, and it's mentioned, been mentioned many times, is then he looked to Jesus back. So he was distracted by what was around him and he looked back at Jesus and Jesus pulled him out and the waters calmed. So it's an important lesson for us too uh, in these aspects because we uh, get surrounded by troubles and it pulls us down and uh, we're weighed down like burdens as was brought out in testimony. But we look to Jesus and he lifts us up and calms the waters in a miraculous way. And we see that uh, in many instances in our life. But here as well, that wonderful childlike attitude that Peter had. Peter was an adult, uh, but he still was like a child. It's like, I want to follow Jesus. And that's where he is walking on water. Well, I want to do it too. I'll jump out in the boat and I'll be there too. So it's an amazing little aspect in, Jesus, in uh, Peter's heart. Mark chapter 16. So uh, there's a logical progression of the scriptures that I've chosen. Um, And then, yeah, we work through aspects. Mark chapter 16. No, wrong book. Apologies, wrong book. Mark... uh, (laughs) Oh, no, sorry, it's Matthew 16. Matthew chapter 16. And um, that character in Peter that had this desire to be with Jesus, even though he's walking on the water, happy to jump out of the boat and be with him, we see that... Oh, lovely, it actually cut out. Um, we actually see that in, su- in uh, some aspects as well, and I believe that character is in this passage as well. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13. So Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they say, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, 
or one of the prophets? He saith unto them, But whom do ye say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, Jesus here is speaking to uh, disciples. So if it says disciples, that's his followers, which includes the apostles, the 12 apostles. So we can read into this, there's more than just the 12 apostles in this crowd. But out of that crowd, it's Simon Peter who jumps up, eager, right? Yes, you're the son of the living God, okay? Out of all those people, even if you narrow it down to just the 12 apostles, Peter's the one that jumps up, says, you're the son of the living God. He's so focused on Jesus Christ and following him with all his heart, jumping out of boats for him. And then... It says in verse 17, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, uh, which means son of Jonah. Bar-Jonah, son of Jonah. For flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. So Peter here had an amazing revelation. And it was before he received the Holy Spirit. He had this revelation from God, as Jesus said here. It didn't come from his own understanding. This revelation that Jesus Christ was the Son of the living God. Um, So even then he was getting this. And I say unto thee that thou... Oh, wait a minute, am I going on? Uh, Yes. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church. Upon that understanding and that zeal, that revelation, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I'll give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this is not, this shall not be unto thee. And so that again is a reflective of his character, that same person, the same character that jumped out of the boat, the same character that was stood up amongst the crowd and said, You're the Son of the Living God. That same character was here. And he was so had this zeal and this protection attitude toward Jesus, whom he followed and believed to be the Son of God that no, you have to stay here and restore all things. You need to stay alive with us. You need to lead us. There's an amazing work that you're part of, Peter's thinking here. Be it far from you. No, we're not going to let the elders and the chief priests uh, punish you and kill you. You know, you can imagine that in Peter. And then it goes here, and then verse 23, But he, Jesus Christ, turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offence unto me, for thou savourest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. How cutting was that? Jesus just stripped him to pieces, cut him right down, and and it's like this this zeal in him, that same character that stood up amongst the crowd, was the uh, same character made him say these things and be that adversary, and be that Satan who was contrary to, uh, to the work of the Lord. And so the difference is that first time was a revelation. 
It was revealed from the Father. It came from the Spirit. The second time, it says here, you do not savour the things that of God, but those that be of men. That came from himself, his own desires, his own strength, his own understanding. He didn't have the bigger picture of what God's plan was. Okay? So it's interesting there. It got him into... Uh, it, um, it, his character... Um, achieved wonderful things, but then achieved terrible things as well. Uh, So it's an interesting balance. Um, Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. And we'll start in verse 31. So Luke chapter 22. And verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, that regardless of how you let others down, how you let me down, how you let yourself down, that your faith fails not. That, um, sorry, this is Luke chapter 22, and, and uh, we're now in verse 32. Um, and so Jesus here saw that Satan desired to have him. You know, that, that, that flesh comes up and gets in the way, that, uh, that you yourself as uh, uh, flesh and blood, gets in the way of the working of the kingdom of God. But Jesus cared so much for Simon and knew that he would be important for the work of the Lord. He has a purpose for this Simon Peter and prayed that his faith fails not. So also he's praying for us uh, that our faith fails not, that our flesh doesn't get in the way of the workings of the kingdom of God. Um, And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Verse 33, and he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. So again, we've got this point where Peter was so pleasing to Jesus Christ, right? that he, uh, he was praying to the Father that his faith doesn't fail him and saying to him, look, when you're converted, i.e., when you receive the Holy Spirit, strengthen the brethren. Be that leader. You know, be that leader to strengthen the church. And there are some snippets, and we'll read a couple more, or that uh, when Jesus talks to Peter, he's actually talking to the future spirit-filled church. And uh, strengthen the brethren, you know, that your faith fails not, It's like, you're so important to me, Peter. And then, flip side, Jesus says, look, you're going to deny me. You know, I'll be um, uh, crucified, I'll be executed, and you'll say that you won't even know me because you're in the flesh. That's the adversary. The the flesh is, uh, the zeal uh, can work both ways. It can lead to destruction or it can lead to building things. Um, lead to destroying the kingdom of God or building the kingdom of God. And Peter had that. Um, um, And what Jesus wanted, he wanted to channel it all to building the kingdom of God because it was so precious. Um, Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. 
Matthew chapter 26. And verse 30. Matthew 26 and verse 30. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Then saith Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. Excuse me. But after I am risen again, I'll go before you into Galilee. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. And it says, uh, oh no, sorry. Yep, we'll go on. Verse uh, 34. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. So here, does that say, like, uh, uh, wanting to forbid, sorry, wanting to follow Jesus uh, all the way and says, look, I will die with you, even though others may be offended. But what's interesting here as well, in a similar way, he stood up with these statement, this statement, right? Nah, I'll never deny thee, even though Jesus said he would. And then the others were swept in there too. See how it says there, likewise also said all the disciples. So even now, all the disciples saw Peter as kind of a leader as well. You know, um, they, they all got said, said, yeah, 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 we're going to be like that too. But Peter stood up first and affirmed it and then others kind of followed him with that statement. Um, and we, we know that, uh, that he did end up denying Jesus and... Um, and he wept bitterly after that because that was, there was the strength of the flesh, you know. But when there's the strength of the spirit, uh, it's a good thing when it's channeled. Um, Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14 and verse 32. Mark 14 and verse 32. And they came to a place which was named Gethsemane, and he saith to his disciples, Sit ye here while I shall pray. And he taketh with him Peter and James and John, and began to be sore amazed and to be very heavy. And saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. And he went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed that, if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. And that there is a wonderful sentiment for us to carry around throughout our life. You know, I want to do this, but hey, look, it's not what I will, but what you want. What is it you want, Lord? Follow, follow. Verse 37. And he cometh and findeth them sleeping, and saith unto Peter. Right? It's funny. There were three people there. There was Peter, James, and John. But for some reason, Jesus picks on Peter. <laughs> Peter was so special to Jesus. So, and saith unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? 
Couldst not thou watch one hour? Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed and spake the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. In other words, the reason they were asleep was uh, not because they were bored or whatever. The reason they fell asleep was because they were dog-tired, right? Something that isn't obvious. It was like uh, four or five in the morning, and they'd been awake all night, you know, because uh, we know just after this, it's just the dawn, and that's when Jesus is uh, taken to, uh, to be led to, um, to be um, falsely accused. And so we know this is about four or five in the morning, so they are so tired. And here's Jesus saying, Simon, what are you sleeping for? <laughs> you know, uh, well, it turns out I'm pretty tired. Neither wist they what to answer. They didn't know what to answer. Verse 41, and he cometh the third time and saith unto them, sleep on now and take your rest. So you can sense a, a certain amount of impatience there with Jesus. Also a realisation that, hey, look, these people need the spirit. In the flesh, they can't do much at all. It is enough. The hour is come. Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise up, let us go. Lo, he that betrayeth me is at hand. And so what Jesus says here is the spirit is truly ready, but the flesh is weak. So Jesus, of course, being the Son of God, recognised the problem here. Okay, in the, in the flesh we are weak, but as spirit we have that zeal the same as Peter, the same as him. Yeah, I'll follow you wherever I go. I'll do this and I'll do that, but then the flesh gets in the way. And so Jesus knew he could see that, hey, look, they need the spirit. They need the Holy Spirit. Right, I'm going to get crucified so these people can be of use to me, of use to the Father, of use to the kingdom of God. John chapter 21. John chapter 21 and verse 1. John chapter 21 and verse 1. This is a passage that Pastor Chaz read out. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. So this is after Jesus rose from the dead, okay? And he's just showing them. He's not with them all the time. He's showing them in snippets here and there. I'll show them here. And so in this case, he showed himself again. And, but then we go on to verse 2. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana of Galilee in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, which is uh, John and Andrew, and the other two, of his, other two of his disciples, Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a-fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. So Peter here is seen as someone for the others to follow. Okay, Peter reckons he should go fishing. Well, that's probably a good thing. I'll go fishing too with you. Okay? But what's important is what Pastor Chaz brought out is... Simon Peter had been following Jesus Christ for three and a half years. He hadn't been doing any fishing. Jesus died, right? Every now and again, he crops up to say g'day. But Peter's kind of gone back to his old life. It's like, oh, okay, what now? (laughs) 
what now? This person that I was following and was so dedicated in following is dead. Uh, he rose again. I see him every now and again, but I'm going back to my old life, going back to fishing. And the others go along with him. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. It was completely unfruitful. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved, which uh, refers to John, saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fish's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from the land, but as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fishes. As soon then as they were come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes, 153, and for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken, which is a reference to the future spirit-filled church. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them, and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. So it's like Jesus saying, no, that's not what you're meant to do. You know, I want you to follow me. And that 153 and that net, that represents the future spirit-filled church. That's where your effort belongs. With that, not with your old profession. You know, you might dabble in it for your income, but your focus is to follow me. Drag in those spirit-filled people. Now, we'll go over to Acts chapter 5 as a little bit of an interlude. We'll come back to uh, this passage. So if we go over to John, sorry, Acts chapter 5, and I'm reading this to make a point, obviously, uh, verse 33. John, sorry, Acts chapter 5, verse 33. When they heard that, they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay them. Then stood there up one in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law, had in reputation among all the people and commanded to put the apostles forth a little space. And he said unto them, Ye men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what ye intend to do as touching these men. For before these days rose up Theudas, boasting himself to be somebody, to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves, who was slain, and all, as many as obeyed him, were scattered and brought to naught. After this man rose up Judas of Galilee in the, ways of, in the days of the taxing and drew away much people after him. He also perished, and all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. And now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone, for if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest haply you be found even to fight against God. And to him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, 
they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Right? Now let's go back to uh, John chapter 21. The reason I read that is this is exactly what was happening to Jesus' followers. Right? With the example of Theudas and that other fella, when those were killed, their followers scattered and it came to nothing. Here, Peter went back to his old life. It was exactly what was happening. Jesus was killed and his followers just went back to their old lives. Okay? Gamaliel was spot on. Uh, He had the finger on the pulse. So what? Jesus knew this. So he came back and showed himself and said, no, you have to follow me. Otherwise, they would have just gone back to their old lives. And that's important. We need to be reminded. Come to meetings, uh, fellowship, encourage each other, stay focused on Jesus Christ because we'll just go back to our old lives, doing our own thing. Just It's human nature. It's what people do. When, um, when the person that people are following dies or disappears, whoop, they go. We are following Jesus Christ. He's alive today. And uh, we are following him. We have a purpose in our life instead of going back to our old lives and way of doing things. Um, go on in John chapter 21 to uh, verse 15. So John 21 and verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah. Remember we read before his name was Simon Bar-Jonah. Lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord. You know, like Simon's, uh, Simon Peter's um, perpetually proven <laughs> that he loves Jesus more than the other followers. Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, Lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. Just follow me, and I will help you feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. And... uh, This here was, uh, you know, an extension of what Jesus was saying, like praying to the Father that Satan would not take him, using that zeal and that energy inside Peter to be a prominent man in the establishing of the Spirit-filled church um, after uh, the Spirit was poured out. And then verse 18, yes, this was signifying how he would die and Peter ultimately was crucified and There's all sorts of ideas of how he was crucified, but either way, he was. But here it says, you, as a child, you did whatever you want. And that's in our life as well. As a child, we did whatever we want. Or before we received the Holy Spirit, we did whatever we want. But now we'll stretch forth our hands and another will gird us. We'll be taken places we wouldn't have even imagined. You know, I, in all our lives, we're taken places 
whether it's inside us, emotionally, our thoughts, our understanding, or even physical places. We're taken where we would not. And the reason that's the case, we're not children anymore. We're following Jesus Christ. As children, you go about doing your own thing. The, the biggest thing you're worried about is who you're going to play with in the playground. But as adults, you know, we are taking places we would not. And that's service to the Lord. And P- Peter was that example in feeding the sheep, feeding the lambs and feeding the sheep uh, because he loves Jesus Christ. And how you show your love of Jesus Christ is to do his commandments. And uh, right, so that's uh, a lot of information about how Peter was in the flesh. Now we know in Acts chapter 2, he received the Holy Spirit, he spoke in tongues, as we all have. We've all done that. And then by amazing revelation, he stood up amongst all the others, amongst the other 120 odd, he stood up and explained to everyone what was happening. So we won't read that. We'll go to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4 and verse 1. Acts chapter 4 and verse 1. And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold or in, into a prison unto the next day, for it was now eventide. Excuse me. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. And it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers, and it, sorry, I'll just rewind. So it says there about the number of the men was about 5,000. So talk about um, when the leader dies and everyone's scattered. <laughs> so many people are drawn because Jesus Christ is alive. Um, verse 5, and it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes and Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest, a bit of nepotism going on, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel. So filled with the Holy Ghost, he already had the Holy Ghost, but he was filled with that power and that zeal and that desire to speak. And then he goes through, Uh, this explanation in front of Annas, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, the kindred of the high priest, educated people, people who knew the scriptures, who spent their life. I mean, we've got examples of these sorts of people today in um, in Jewry, in uh, uh, the Jews' religion, that they just spend their life studying and pouring through the pages. That's all they do. And he's standing before these people and he explains things. And then, bango, we get down to verse 13. And it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John in the face of these intimidating people, there were other examples we read when Jesus was around, people were afraid to be put out of the synagogue, you know, and they wouldn't speak contrary to what these powerful men would say. But Peter stood up with boldness with John 
And it says there, and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They marvelled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. These ignorant fishermen from Galilee, you know, the back blocks, Zebulun and Naphtali, way up there. You know, what are they? They're nothing compared to us educated people, but look at them stand up through the power of the Holy Spirit, following of Jesus Christ. This is the conversion of, of Peter, Acts chapter 11. So this comes after Acts chapter 10, of course, <laughs> um, if we're counting right. Um, Acts chapter 11, uh, after the Holy Spirit was poured out onto the Gentiles for the first time, and Peter was a major part of that. So before this point, the, uh, the Spirit-filled people only mixed with fellow Israelites, those that were circumcised, uh, because that was the law. You know, they were, these people grew up in the law. They, they, that was what was entrenched for 400 years, was entrenched that you don't mix with Gentiles. And so, sorry, it's longer than that, isn't it? <laughs> it's longer than 400 A long time. Um, for many generations, it was entrenched in them to not mix with Gentiles. And here was Peter. He'd gone out and he mixed with the Gentiles uh, because God asked him to. He was led to places. And then they received the Holy Spirit, they spoke in tongues, and they were baptised. And here in Acts chapter 11 and verse 1, it says, And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard, right, heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. You know, uh, the news had spread. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him. You know, what have you done? You know, how dare you mix with these uncircumcised people? You're not allowed to. Uh, It's naughty, you know. And it says in verse 3, saying, Thou wentest into a men uncircumcised and didst eat with them, you know, as if they were like yourself. But Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning and expounded it by order unto them, saying, okay, and he explained it all explained all what happened right from the start, that amazing vision and all the process. There were witnesses. But he was this person that was a, uh, that was a pivotal part of the Holy Spirit uh, first being um, outpoured to the uh, Gentiles. And then we go to verse 16. And after this, sorry, at the end of this uh, explanation, verse 16, it says, Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptised with water, but ye shall be baptised with the Holy Ghost. In other words, it's all about the Holy Ghost. That's what matters, not flesh and blood. For as much then as God gave them the like gift, as he did unto us, who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I should withstand God? When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. So Peter here, in the face of opposition, in the face of indignant people, like how dare you do this? Generations of tradition have dictated for you not to do that at all. In the face of that attitude, and he explained it all, full of the Holy Ghost, what was their conclusion? They held their peace. The boldness, the experience of Peter, they held their peace saying, But not only did they hold their peace and say, oh, okay, that's fair enough. 
No, they held the peace and glorified God. Gave God the glory. Wow, and they got swept up in it as well. Wow, this has just opened up huge responsibilities. They glorified God and said, this is amazing. All people uh, can have this thing available unto them. And Peter was a pivotal part of that. Over to uh, chapter 15, Acts chapter 15, the anti-penultimate scripture. Acts chapter 15. And verse 4. So Acts chapter 15 and verse 4. And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders. And they declared all things that God had done with them. But there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees which believed. So these were people who were Pharisees but then were baptised and received the Holy Spirit. Just like Paul. Paul was a Pharisee too. <clears throat> saying that, that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. And the apostles and elders came together for to consider this matter. There was a, a council meeting. You know, all the, uh, the, the senior people came together to talk about this problem that had come up. And this is just what happened in the, mid, in the late 90s, late mid-90s uh, with the Revival Fellowship. There were people that came together to consider what was going on and to grow, go back to scriptural principles and to follow Jesus Christ. Verse 7, And when there had been much disputing and much arguing, people talking over each other, giving their opinions, Peter, he's the one that rose up amongst all the apostles and the elders. He rose up full of zeal, full of the Holy Ghost again. He rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us, that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us, and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved, even as they. Whether they are circumcised or uncircumcised, they will also be saved. Verse 12. Then all the multitude kept silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. So again, an example there was all this rabble of arguing and discord. There was no unity. You know, and uh, Peter was the one that stood up and explained it properly and calmly uh, using uh, experience but also uh, the power of the Holy Ghost. Then they kept their silence and said, no, wait a minute, he's right. We should all be unified. We should all be looking uh, and, uh, to the Lord, to Jesus Christ, then they listened to what Barnabas and Paul were saying in recounting the amazing work that was happening amongst the Gentiles. So Peter certainly ended up being a, uh, a pivotal person in the establishing of the early spirit-filled church. Uh, he was feeding the lambs, feeding the sheep. He was that. He, was, uh, he had that zeal and that energy 
that was channeled appropriately by the Spirit. But Galatians chapter 2, Galatians chapter 2. This is a reference to a time after Peter received the Holy Spirit. Peter was speaking in tongues. Peter was amongst the work, the amazing work, the amazing revival. He was this person that people still look to for guidance. Um, He was bold. He was solid. He was that Cephas, you know, that rock, that stone, immovable. But there was this time that's referred to by Paul in Galatians chapter 2 where he slipped The flesh was still there, okay? Galatians chapter 2 and verse 9. And when James, Cephas, which is Peter, and John, who seemed to be pillars, well, they were, they were definitely pillars. We can read in in the scriptures, which we've already read. Perceived the grace that was given unto me. They gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship, that we should go unto the heathen, and they under the circumcision. Only they would that we should remember the poor, the same which I also was forward to do. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. He made a mistake. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles or the uncircumcised. But when they were come, He withdrew. So before the other circumcised people were amongst him, he was eating and fellowshipping and encouraging the uncircumcised people. But then when James and the others come, he withdraws. You know, says, oh, no, I can't mix with the uncircumcised. Even though there was that amazing statement we read in Acts, but the flesh came up, the old way of life, the old way of doing things. Verse 12, we'll start from the start. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them, which were of the circumcision, fearing their judgment or what they will think. And that's where we get caught out too, fearing what others may think. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him. So they followed him. See, Peter was this kind of leader that people looked to. And he, others dissembled with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with this dissimulation. So Barnabas himself, who was a major part of revival in the uncircumcised with, um, with Paul, he was caught away with Peter. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, if thou being a Jew livest after the manner of Gentiles, And not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? We who are Jews by nature are not sinners of the Gentiles. So that flesh was still there. okay? And Peter later in his own writings acknowledges that, yes, I made a mistake there. You know, that follow Paul. You know, he's an amazing leader. He's a pillar as well. But I made a mistake. And that is reassurance as well. Peter himself, so full of the Holy Ghost, had that full zeal, that so, so focused on doing what was right and wanting to do what was right. Every now and again, he slipped up. And that's like in our life. We have that desire. We have that zeal to do more. It's natural. It's what God's put in us. But every now and again, we slip up. Okay? But um, we still carry on. 
We still carry on. Uh, let the Lord pull us out of that water, calm the ocean, and stay focused on him. Finish up on Philippians in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11, just to finish on. And bearing in mind the example of Peter, how he was in the flesh, how he was with the Spirit, all those examples are read out and what Peter got up to. We, uh, we read this passage, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learnt in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And here's the crunch, (laughs) whatever word. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Okay, and that is Peter to a T, Peter to a T, that uh, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens us. Strengthens us. When Peter uh, was looking to the Lord, looking to Jesus Christ, and looking to the Spirit, he could do all things. That channeled his zeal. That channeled his character to build the kingdom of God. And it's the same with us. The Lord can use our character, use what we're like, our zeal, or whatever it is. Our soft touch, our hard touch, whatever, he can use that. But through Christ, it strengthens the church and strengthens ourselves. Okay, thank you.